Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, and we're talking the Encore series, and you may ask the question, what does that mean? Well, it means for us, we take a look back at some of the most compelling Spotlight on Capitol Hill programs we have had to date. Tonight is no exception as we take a look for the Encore series at Senator Feinstein. It starts right now, folks. Hang on. Encore series spotlight on Capitol Hill starts right now. Take a listen. This is what the summary of the 6,000 pages look like. Let me now turn to the contents of the study. The CIA's enhanced interrogation techniques were not an effective way to gather intelligence information. The CIA provided extensive amounts of inaccurate information about the operation of the program and its effectiveness to the White House, the Department of Justice, Congress, the CIA Inspector General, the media, and the American public. The CIA's management of the program was inadequate and deeply flawed. The CIA program was far more brutal than people were led to believe. This involves nonstop interrogation and abuse. They were deprived of sleep for days. In one case, up to 180 hours. Kept in complete darkness, the detainee was grabbed from his cell, clothes cut off, hooded, and dragged up and down a dirt hallway while being slapped and punched. CIA officers often called into question the effectiveness of the CIA's interrogation techniques. But these contradictions were marginalized and not presented externally. Due to poor record keeping, a full accounting of how many specific detainees were held and how they were specifically treated while in custody may never be known. We submit this study on behalf of the committee to the public in the belief that it will stand the test of time and with it the report will carry the message never again. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. They call her someone of somewhat of a trailblazer, and let me take somewhat off of it. They call her the trailblazer of the United States Senate, setting the bar not only for women that will take the positions in Congress and the United States Senate, but even the men that will follow the example of Senator Dianne Feinstein. I'll tell you what, folks. This is a powerhouse, a woman of extreme strength, courage, and I'll tell you what, she's no nonsense in our nation's capital. Spotlight on Capitol Hill Encore Series kicks off with her right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, William Williams, and the AJC Radio team. As tonight, we are honored, really, to take a look back at, at what Congress, excuse me, Senator Feinstein's position was on some issues, really for her career uh, as she remains in the U.S. Senate, uh, but also what has happened since that time 
Dennis, when uh, she was talking about a lot of things, uh, women coming up, following behind her, uh, really following and really carrying the torch of what it means to be a legislator. And, of course, a lot of things have changed since that show. And one thing that has changed drastically that's affecting everybody in our nation's capital is the Trump administration. But I'll tell you what, he's, he's got somebody that can stand toe-to-toe uh, and definitely hold him accountable. Yes, and she's doing that, too. I mean, she's still pushing uh, uh, the issues, uh, making sure people understand that, uh, you know, she's fighting all kinds of stuff, sex, tra- sex trafficking. Uh, she's dealing with the drugs, uh, civil rights still. I mean, she's still out there, and she's still pushing hard to make sure that uh, everybody's represented in the way they should be represented. And I tell you, she's doing a good job. So tonight, we're going to really talk about the things she's doing now and the things she's pushing to make sure that, you know, there is somebody still out there saying, regardless of who's in office, we still got to do the right thing by the American people. And that's the bottom line. And again, uh, she's, getting a, she's getting the job done. Uh, we've had an opportunity to uh, actually uh, uh, meet with her staff. Uh, very, very, very good people out there uh, in Washington that, that, that she has surrounded herself with. Uh, definitely to be successful at all the endeavors that comes with the, with the magnitude of that office, William. And, and uh, from California, uh, there's been some news that uh, the local California uh, GOP was not wanting to endorse uh, uh, Senator Feinstein uh, for whatever reason for another candidate that is out there. Uh, I would believe that would be a mistake. Your thoughts on that, William? Absolutely. I mean, you know, she assumed office in 92. And at, at 84, she is tireless. She understands what needs to be done for not only her home state of California, but also for the rest of the nation. You know, she's uh, had to champion a lot of issues been, uh, and faced adversity as a woman. You know, that's one of the big things. Absolutely. And so uh, so she brings a lot to the table. So, uh, you know, people need to, to really rethink that if they're not w- willing to stand with her. Um, I'd rather stand with her than stand against her. I believe that. I think uh, a lot of people would probably share that sentiment uh, because she is uh, she's a fighter and she knows what she needs to do to get things done. No, absolutely right. And uh, again, this is going to be really uh, uh, an outstanding show tonight. Is again, we take a look back, and the reason let me make, make it very clear: the reason we take a look back, things are constantly changing in Washington D.C. Uh, things are constantly coming up that's being debated, that's going on. What's what's happening? Uh, this is the constant turning of the wheel, if, you, if, you, if, if that sounds correct. But the work is continually going. Things are continually changing. And you have to be a, really a leader uh, to step out and be able to move with the punches, so to speak, uh, because you never know what you're going to get, especially with this administration, from a day-to-day basis. Uh, and that's what makes the jobs of our, our elected officials so very important, because the, work, the business of the people must continue. And that has to go on. So, folks, feel free to dial into the show tonight at 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. And, uh, again, this, this aims to be a really, really good show. Uh, and some things that, like Dennis, what you were alluding to, uh, where she talks about economic growth, consumer protection, uh, dealing with uh, really a cry for young women that are, that are in the struggle, people that are in human trafficking, all the things that our young people are suffering, uh, assaults and, and the things that are taking place. She, she's a voice without question, uh, but, but really, the, 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 just the people. 
and we say that all the time, a, a member of Congress that is for the people, she without question has lived up to that reputation. And, and they say she's, you know, she's, she's a, a senator that uh, works both sides. I mean, Democratic and Republican. Uh, so a lot of times, you know, some of the stuff that she pushes, uh, uh, you know, she gets pushback, uh, especially with the, uh, uh, you know, the assault weapons ban. I mean, you know, everybody think you're taking away our weapons. Here we go again, you know, the Second Amendment. Uh, but, you know, she's just trying to make, uh, you know, this country safe, uh, uh, limit the personnel that has guns. I mean, huge. So she's still doing a lot. But again, I, I like the uh, bipartisanship that she has where she's able to cross party lines and, and, and talk about those things that we need to talk about and those things that we need to make changes. Whether, you know, you like it or not, you know, uh, somebody's got to push, uh, everybody's got an agenda, and she's not trying to get on either side. So, that, I mean, that's a good thing. No, absolutely. And, Cliff, uh, uh, we've had the, the opportunity to, of course, uh, really go into uh, – really showing the person of Senator Feinstein. Uh, you see her on TV. She's at hearing. She looks like a tough, no-nonsense lady, but has a heart uh, really to do what she's doing, how she got into public service. You're going to hear a little bit about that. A tragedy took place at the state uh, legislation where some things happened that motivated her to get in the office. It was, it was really, really a big deal. That speaks volumes as well. What, what We say that all the time to these members. What What prompted you, if you will, to get into public service, to feel like you wanted to do public service. Senator Feinstein's situation, Cliff, came upon a tragedy. We're going to get to that later in the program. But I'll tell you what, it motivated her enough to say, I can be one that makes a difference. Yeah, and that's what it takes. I mean, when these uh, members of Congress, you can tell the ones that get in there and say, I'm going here to be a servant to the public, to every citizen in the U.S. And when you look at uh, members of Congress, that that is their motivation, is how they can make uh, those in their district, how they can give them a better life, how they can make legislation that, uh, you know, just makes America a better place to be. Right. Those are the members of Congress that that uh, that make a difference. And they they set aside their, you know, their partisan views when when the time comes, when need be. And Senator Feinstein, I mean, she is one that says, I'll reach across the aisle. We'll make some common sense uh, laws and ensure that they work out best for everybody involved. It, you you cannot, I mean, even if you had a 50-50, uh, you know, the amount of seats for Democrats and Republicans, you still at some point have to reach across the aisle, make deals, bottom line. common sense legislation that says this will work best for everybody involved. If you, if, if they're a member of Congress that can't do that, they're not effective and, and, uh, Senator Feinstein has shown that she can be effective not only in her party, but she can reach, reach across the aisle to get legislation passed. No, absolutely right, folks. We're going to, again, enjoy getting into this conversation. Feel free, again, to dial into this show as it gets ready, really to go airborne, if you will, 646-200-0628. That's 646-200-0628. On the other side of the break, we shine the light on the Encore Series with Senator Diane Feinstein from California. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? 
I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. Look, right now, uh, while you're looking at this on your screen in your hand or on your computer, there's somebody just like you who's sitting in a prison cell. And they didn't do much more than you did, you know, some crazy weekend. You didn't get caught. They got caught. And they can never get uncaught. The United States of America is now the number one incarcerator of human beings in the world, in the history of the world. Uh, we have about 5% of the world's population. We have 25% of the world's prisoners. Um, we, are, we have more people locked up than China. China, who has a billion people, they got fewer prisoners than we do. You know, a lot of times people say, well, if you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime. Really? Have, have you ever committed a crime? You got people who are doing more drugs in, on college campuses, in uh, uh, yacht clubs, country clubs. We all know that's going on, but the SWAT team never shows up there. The SWAT team shows up in the housing projects where you got poorer people doing fewer drugs and those people go to prison. But think about it. What if one of the times when you were breaking the law, when you had something illegal in your pocket, in your car, at your party, the police had kicked in those doors, would you want to be known for the rest of your life? based on what happened that night. That is what is happening to millions of people. If rich folks' kids get in trouble, they go to rehab. Poor folks' kids get in trouble, they go to prison. And you spend $100,000 per year per kid to lock a kid up. When you could have spent a fraction of that and turned them into a NASA scientist, turned them into a, a fashion icon. When people come home from prison, they're not given the opportunity to start over. You leave a physical prison and you go into a social prison where you can't get a job, you can't get a student loan, you can't rent an, rent an apartment. How are people supposed to start over? And what happens to neighborhoods when you take a disproportionate number of people out for minor offenses and you send them back home with no hope and no opportunity? There are no more excuses to have this horrible system continue when there is now finally bipartisan agreement that it is a tragedy to do this. Not only do you have President Obama and the Democrats, you now actually have uh, people like Paul Ryan 
Coke Industries, Newt Gingrich, all saying the same thing. We are locking up too many people. We're wasting too much money. We're, we're wasting too much genius in America, and it's time to do something. History is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family, which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. Take the risk factor assessment today at AskGreenNo.com. And welcome back, folks, to AJC Radio, presenting the Encore series of Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. I'll tell you what, right now, we started off tonight uh, with, I, I believe, if you know anything about sports, the magnitude of a Hall of Famer. Tonight, we believe Senator Dianne Feinstein meets that criteria without question. And Dennis, as we were talking on the break in regards to uh, Senator Feinstein, she's the longest tenured member uh, in the U.S. Senate, I believe, in the entire Congress. Uh, And I'll tell you what, I have seen her in action, well-respected, and I'll tell you what, she is just absolutely no nonsense. And I I believe if if we had talked about before her being her, and I believe uh, uh, Ms. Boxer, uh, former Senator Boxer, were were some of the first ladies uh, in the United States Senate. And I'll tell you what, you talk about setting an example and paving the way, you don't, without question, uh, Dennis, you're going to have to do it there. And they've done an outstanding job uh, in, that, in that effort, has been in Congress since 1992, at least in the, uh, in, in the U.S. Senate representing the, the uh, state of California. Uh, when it talks about that, uh, Dennis, what stands out to you the most about this lady that has, have, has, felt, has faced challenges, uh, health challenges, and she keeps coming back? She's not going away. Oh, it's, it's her uh, ability and her willingness to uh, uh, confront any issue. I mean, uh, again, I, I can't, I have to mention the assault weapons ban because that was huge. Uh, a lot of uh, people didn't like that. I mean, uh, they still talk about her today because she still uh, wants to ban uh, assault weapons. So, I mean, when you got a, a, a senator that, that says, hey, uh, it's not about, you know, you know, politics per se, even though she is a politician, but it's about the American people. Absolutely. Uh, what's right. best for America? What 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 things do we need to change to make a difference? And if that means that uh, we ban assault weapons to certain individuals, that's something we need to do. And, and she stuck by it. I mean, and she continues to continues to stick by it. So that tells you that this uh, senator is awesome. I mean, she's just straight to the point. And I think that what gets me the, the best is that her willingness to cross party lines to make something happen for the American people. And she's been there for, what, 26 years, and she's got a lot done in those 26 years, not only for California, but for this country. No, absolutely right. And it, it states here that she has 1,813 
uh, legislation bills that have been that she has sponsored over 1800 which are, which is basically an amounts to 855 of those legislations of the 1800 are bills that have actually been done that that speaks volumes and i don't know anybody else that holds that record william uh and i think the people of california when you talk about gun control or you talk about uh the, the gun legislation that you're talking about it's very easy for critics to sit on the sideline and say, well, uh, what, you know, she shouldn't do that. Again, what we talked about the other night, the right to, be, to bear arms, she has to look beyond that. And I'll tell you what, uh, in her district, the people she represents and, and uh, has a, a few offices in California in different areas of town, uh, you, you, California basically, uh, to, the, to the average American, California is a place, whether they go vacation, it's supposed to be a safe place for families. If you don't step out and start saying, look, how do we keep not only California, can California set precedents for other states that will cause other members of Congress to say, you know what, what Senator Feinstein has done, we need to do. Well, it still makes California one of the most visited, most tourist areas in the country right now. Uh, this, this goes beyond politics without question. Well, you know, what you're really hitting on is the fact that what, what California – experiences is going to be different than Colorado. Absolutely. And so and so what what these these members of that that take an oath for public service, they have to understand their constituents, they got to understand what happens in their area, and then they got to understand how these bills can impact those in other areas. Now the bottom line is we've seen and we talked about gun control on Tuesday. We have we have now we've seen Parkland, Florida. We've gone to Virginia Tech. We've seen stuff in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. We, we, you know, all these places. These are places that are all demographically different. They're diverse. They have their own issues, their own uh, problems that they're that they're facing. But the one thing is true: they have now seen and experienced um, gun violence. You know, from Sandy Hook to Aurora, Colorado, uh, Littleton, Colorado. You name it. We've seen it. They've experienced it in California. And uh, and then Texas. So we will see these things. Now, how do these how do these bills become law? How can they make these bills, uh, you know, happen that can better the lives of people across the country? And that's what she's dealing with. And so it's not only what happens in your backyard. It's also what happens across the country. No, absolutely. Because it just it, when you have that type of leadership, it catches on. It's the domino effect. And people start getting involved. And I think that's why she is so respected by her peers. She is so respected by her colleagues to say, you know what? When she speaks on that hill, I promise you people are listening. And, and you know what? And along those lines, another thing is when a person has that kind of vision to see broadly, they, they, it also leads them to reach across the aisle. Because they realize that, you know what? I'm, I'm a Democratic senator from California. How the, how this what I'm dealing with may impact, you know, a Republican senator from Arkansas or one from Tennessee or a Democratic senator from Louisiana. You know, these areas you reach across the aisle because you have to understand Absolutely. their concerns, their needs with their constituents in those areas. Well, let's listen a little bit to Senator Feinstein about how she got on the path uh, for her career and what prompted her to continue and to seek out public service. Let's see what she had to say. The door to the office opened and he came in. 
I heard the doors slam. I heard the shots. I smelled the cordite. He whisked by. I walked down the line of supervisors' offices and found Harvey Milk, put my finger in a bullet hole trying to get a pulse. It was the first person I'd ever seen shot to death. And that began a saga. I've covered Diane Feinstein for many years, and she rarely talks about that traumatic day 40 years ago. But looking back, that tragedy put her on an unexpected path to becoming the icon she is now, from first female mayor of San Francisco to California's first female United States senator. Probably fair to say most women graduating from Stanford in the 1950s were focused on finding a husband and having a family. You wanted to go into politics. Did people think you were crazy? Yeah, the first time out, something must be wrong with her. She must have a bad marriage. Why is she doing this? People said that to you? Oh, yeah. Being a woman in our society, even today, is difficult. You know it in the press area. I know it in the political area. 47 years ago, Feinstein won a local election that eventually led her here. The chair of the president of the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco. There are a lot of people who didn't think it was right for her to take the seat because she was a woman. She ran for mayor twice in the 1970s, but lost both times. Then tragedy put her in the job. I became mayor as a product of assassination, of the mayor being killed and the first openly gay public official being killed by a friend and colleague of mine. That friend was Dan White, who shot and killed Mayor George Moscone and Harvey Milk, one of the first openly gay elected officials in America. This right here was Harvey Milk's desk. This is where he sat. Dan White, the man who shot and killed him, sat right next to him. I've seen reports that you said that you, you always think maybe I could have stopped it. I was a friend of Dan's, and um, I tried to some extent to mentor him. And he was a former police officer, a former firefighter, a very good-looking, young, robust man. And, ooh, um, I never really talk about this. Dan had resigned and then wanted the seat back. And so he had an appointment with the mayor. And he walked into the office and he shot him a number of times. Both Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk have been shot and killed. The suspect is Supervisor Dan That was the most painful lesson of division. And what I do is I really try to bring people together, try to work out problems. Feinstein became acting mayor, then was elected in her own right and served for a total of 10 years. When you were mayor and there was a fire over three alarms? I had a radio in my room, my bedroom, when a building would burn and everybody was out on the sidewalk. I went and introduced them to the Red Cross. They'll get you a place to stay. Politics was not gender neutral. Like the time a developer bet her that if he finished a project on time, she would have to wear a bathing suit in public. She took the bet, and he won. Oh, this is the picture. This is the bikini. Wow. I have to say, you rocked that well, bathing suit pretty well. Yeah, it's pretty covered. 
She not only kept that, but hundreds of other mementos and pictures from her four-decade career in a special room inside her San Francisco home. So there are a lot of stories here. This is the queen. Pope John Paul. Yes. Joe Montana. Yeah. In 1984, she was in the running to be Walter Mondale's running mate, but he picked another woman, Geraldine Ferraro. The blonde or the brunette for vice president for Mondale. They thought I was going to get it. The blonde went out. Yes. This was going to be the cover. Is that right? Yeah. Didn't happen that way. Why didn't you ever run for president? I don't know. I, I felt I'd never be elected. See, look how hard it is. Look at Hillary. I mean, look at what she's gone through. Yeah. You've done hard before. Yeah, I've done hard before, but it, it's not a bad thing being in the Senate. And she's done a lot that she's proud of. High on the list is gun control. Let me tell you, I've seen assassination. I've seen killing. I know what these guns can do. And she racked up a lot more first as a woman. First female member of the Senate Judiciary Committee and first female chair of the Intelligence Committee. Hi, everybody. And I'll never forget that dramatic moment in 2014 when she defied President Obama, the leader of her own party, by going to the Senate floor and releasing a torture report Obama did not want public. It was an investigation that she oversaw, and she wanted the public to see it. History will judge us by our commitment to a just society governed by law and the willingness to face an ugly truth and say never again. There was some flack. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, one of your, your colleagues from California Republican Congressman Jeff Duncan said that you were as much a traitor to this country as Edward Snowden. Well, he had a bad day. <laughs> but you obviously, you, you know, you stood up and you did what you thought was right. Yes, that's right. And that's what we have to do. That's what I'm there to do. It's not always easy. It's hard. United States Senator Diane Feinstein. People watching this, looking at you, will be shocked to know that you are the oldest Serving U.S. Senator. Oh, rub it in. I'm not. <laughs> it's the opposite. Well, it's what I'm meant to do as long as the old bean holds up. I'm from the generation where we dropped under our desks. For people who are out there saying, I want to be Diane Feinstein. I want to do what she did. Run, but prepare yourself. And so many times, talented young women go for the top first. You can't do that. Start young. Earn your spurs. You don't drop out. You take defeat after defeat after defeat, but you keep going. And I really believe that. Well, there you have it. Uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein. I mean, what do you say to that? Out of a tragedy situation, uh, senseless killing, uh, this really speaks, Dennis, I think, to what you said. And we, I'm going to get your thoughts on it. Dennis, when you said, uh, or maybe, maybe you said things are different in California than maybe the, every state is uniquely their own. Right. Uh, but for her to see that up close to, and said, I've seen people die. I've seen what guns can do. I've seen the effect that it can have. That has to go into the passion, the, the, the fact that I'm going to stand for what's right, even when it's not easy. 
And I'm going to represent the people of California, ultimately, the people of the United States, and hold people accountable. William, your thoughts on that? You know, the thing about that clip, and, and like what you said, she has this experience that has taught her about fighting, about doing what's right. When she had to face this situation um, concerning the death of the mayor, the assassination. Right. You know, I, I was reading here, and it said she was getting ready to call it quits to her political career. And it said, however, a half an hour before the press conference, and this was uh, on November 27th of 1978, she had planned to make her decision, and this, the assassination took place. And then she would all of a sudden now she's thrust into being acting mayor of San Francisco and then later on, you know, won her her outright election and, and served 10 years as the mayor of, of San Francisco, the first female mayor. But that experience right there has forced her to see guns in a different way. You know, a lot of people see them as, as sporting, uh, you know, tools and things like that. She saw it firsthand what what a gun in the hands of a man that. For whatever he was thinking that day, decided to take the lives of two people, and so two public servants that had left their house their day that day, said goodbye to their loved ones. Uh, that was the last time they saw them, and so she she took that traumatic event and said, "Listen, there's there's many others that have faced that year after year, and you know senseless death." At the hands of somebody that shouldn't even have a gun in their hand, they shouldn't have the right to possess it. They shouldn't have a right to purchase it. Whatever means they came across that we that weapon, we need to make stand up and say it's wrong, and we need to evaluate our system. And that's what she's looking at. She's looking at the mental state of this person and how they were able to have that weapon. Yeah, and and, and when you think about it, as, as you listen to the clip. Uh, that she felt some pain in that. I mean, uh, to be thrust into the position of mayor uh, because of a, an assassination, and then to come out and have to tell uh, the state that uh, we just lost our mayor. And and I tell you, but what's what was awesome about it was how uh, after becoming mayor, she went into senate, and she's done well. I mean, and she's doing well now, all because uh, you know she believes that. You know, you, you you can't when you run. You know, don't don't try to get to the top immediately. Do what it takes to get there. Uh, but I'm telling you, just from listening to that clip and, and the things that we've read about her, I mean, this senator is truly. Uh, we we always say a senator or a congressman or woman has to be about the people. And I'm telling you, if you if you didn't get that from the clip we just listened to. Uh, you you didn't hear you didn't listen absolutely because I'm telling you she's truly about the American people and and everything she does gun control drugs uh, I mean anything that's going on with with, with California of course uh, it, it it gets over to the, the the American you know to the United States but still all the stuff that she's involved in the bills uh, I mean it's just incredible but that tells you based on that clip it comes from someone that saw something and took that and, and became a great leader. And she's doing just that, I tell you. No, without question, uh, Dennis, uh, couldn't say it better. Uh, as California's senior senator, Senator Feinstein has built a reputation as an independent voice working with both Democrats and Republicans 
to find common sense solutions to the problems facing California and the nation. Since her election to the Senate in 1992, Senator Feinstein has worked in a bipartisan way to build a significant record of legislative accomplishments, helping strengthen the nation's security at home and abroad, and to combat crime, violence, battle cancer, and protect natural resources in California and across the country. In 2009, Senator Feinstein assumed chairmanship of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, where she oversaw the nation's 16 intelligent agencies. She was the first female senator to hold that position. As chairman, Senator Feinstein oversaw the passage of six intelligence authorization bills following a five-year drought. The committee also approved a key bipartisan report on the Benghazi attacks and released key information about the CIA's detention and interrogation program following a six-year review. Today, Senator Feinstein serves as vice chairman of the committee, during which time the committee passed the first significant congressional legislation to address security flaws in our nation's cybersecurity. And you can just go on and on and on. We're not talking about a small time. I don't even know if they have a small time committee on Capitol Hill. These are key positions. And my understanding is, is that if you get put in those positions, you are put there by your colleagues. Is that is that right? I, I would assume that it is. I believe right. that. I believe that's uh, the process. Because, you know, you have to get voted in. And I'm exactly sure, right. you know, your colleagues uh, got to truly uh, believe that you can do the job and believe you can make a big difference. And indeed, she's doing that. Well, look at what she did. They said uh, after a five-year drought, she was able to pass legislation uh, six times getting things done. And we're talking about committees and, and things that protect the safety and security of this nation. That absolutely cannot be argued with. Um, and, and these are things, folks, that if, again, this is what we talk about, why it is so important to go out and vote for your elected officials and not sit back and say, and, and absolutely don't take it for granted that Senator Feinstein will be there. We got the people of California. I, I, I appeal to you tonight to make sure you go out and vote for her as she is facing uh, 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 a serious uh, reelection foe, if you will. And she's trying to get reelected here. I think she's on the right because her record speaks for itself. So you, you may not think it may not matter. Well, they've been there this amount of time. And who says somebody else? Well, we have learned firsthand what happens when someone comes in. That's never done the job with the with they all with with really a self-centered agenda. And I'll tell you what, you can you can just turn on any news uh, report across this nation and you'll find people are people are fed up. People are worried. People are living the American uh, in America. People are living on anxiety, not knowing what happens next. It is important that you go out. And here's the point, folks. Vote on your vote for what is being done. Vote on, the, vote on the record of Senator Feinstein. Vote on the record. I mean, she has been a, a outspoken voice for DACA, which you're going to hear her speak about that. Why is so important to protect uh, the, those known as the dreamers? And she, she, I tell you what, she shies away from nothing. And, and she knows. I mean, California uh, has, uh, has quite a few uh, dreamers. And uh, this new uh, bill would... Uh, would would 
send back a hundred. I think it's like 122 dreamers a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she knows about that, and she knows the uh, contributions uh, that these dreamers are making uh, in her state. Let me tell you something. You take every dreamer out this country right now. What do you think that does to the economy of the United States? It drops it. What do you think you, that's going to do? You you have such a you would have such a significant drop because these are people that are number one they are paying taxes, they're contributing to our economy, they have jobs, they they you know then those jobs vary, those jobs are vary so you so they're multiple you know classes and demographics that are all there contributing. If you say okay now you take those people and you say go leave you're deported. You know, you're going to see a significant drop off. I mean, even even in California alone, there's an estimated 200,000 200, DACA use that, you know, could be could be deported. You know, they're living in fear right now. So when Diane Feinstein addresses these issues, she's saying, listen, these are there's roughly 200,000 children, young adults that are in her home state of California mm-hmm. that right now. They're dealing with this. They don't know what tomorrow will hold for them, and she's fighting for it. She said, "Listen, they deserve a right. Well, they deserve the right." Well, we're going to give we're going to actually give our listeners the opportunity to hear Senator Feinstein make her uh, plea on the Senate floor about DACA and the need for the U.S. to protect these dreamers. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. The Encore series continues after this. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 525-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Kevin on stage, and I'm afraid I'll be killed by police. Not all police, just one police officer who fears first life and thinks I have a gun. I'm afraid I'll match the description of someone who called 911. The police will arrive, and before I know it, I'll be dead. Not all cops are bad, but for me, all it takes is one who is afraid for his life, and that leaves me dead. He could have had a pristine record up until that, but if he's afraid that day, that means it's the end for me. He could have been a bad cop his whole entire career and not be afraid. That means the end for me. I used to think this wouldn't happen to me because I'm a law-abiding citizen. I won't ever be doing anything or be anywhere I shouldn't be. I'll comply with officers, but that doesn't always seem to be the case. Here's some examples of what black people were doing when they were killed by police. Selling CDs outside of a supermarket, selling cigarettes outside of a corner store, walking home with a friend, missing a front license plate, riding a commuter train, holding a fake gun in a park in Ohio, holding a fake gun in a Walmart in Ohio, holding a fake gun in Virginia, calling for help after a car accident, driving with a broken brake light, failing to signal a lane change, walking away from police, 
walking toward police, running to the bathroom in your apartment building, walking up the stairwell of your apartment building, sitting in your car before your bachelor party, holding your wallet, not wearing a seatbelt in police custody, attending a birthday party, laughing. The thing that makes me most afraid is I'll be afraid. I don't know what I'll do if a police officer has a gun pointed at me and is shouting instruction. I'm afraid I'll move too fast, too slow, not fast enough. I'll reach for something he asked me to reach for and he'll think it's a gun. I'm afraid I won't be calm and me not being calm could be the end of me. I'm afraid that I can die in front of my wife or children or both. I'm afraid my children will be somewhere without me and suffer the same fate. I'm afraid the police officer will be in plain clothing so they won't even recognize that this is a police officer and they don't respect him and treat him like the authority he is because they don't know he is. And here's what's going to happen if I die. People will comment on a post about me and here's what they'll say. If he would have just done this, he would be alive today. If he would have just done that, he'd be alive today. All you have to do is listen to police and you'll be fine. If he would have just listened to the officer's orders, he'd be here today. If you care so much, why don't you care about what's happening in Chicago? What about black on black crime? Don't you care about that? The media will find the worst picture of me to use. And since I don't have any brushes with the law or mugshots, they'll find the most menacing or intimidating photo they can use. They won't use any of my wife or children or my family because that doesn't tell the story that they want to tell. Tammy Lauren will get on TV and tell them it was my fault or Glenn Beck or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh will get on the radio. Fox News will have a field day with me. They'll say we don't have all the facts. The video doesn't clearly show. You don't know. What if he was? It looked like he was. You can't tell clearly. We can't see what's in his right hand or left hand. You don't know what the officers were feeling. The NRA won't protect me or protest my death, even if I say I'm a licensed gun owner and I tell the police officer that when he pulls me over. The video will be posted all over the internet in a matter of seconds, and whether or not you want to see it, you will see my dead body lying on the ground or a video of an officer shooting me or me dying live on Facebook. And then people will say it's not about race. We're all one people. All lives matter. And then life will go on. That's the scariest thing. After a while, life will go on. The officers may or may not get arrested. More than likely, they won't be convicted. More than likely, they won't even be indicted. And before you can totally mourn my death, it'll happen again. That's why I'm afraid. to affordability and say hello to losing control. Discover Price Gougesol, the latest outrageously expensive drug from Big Pharma. It's impossible to afford and reverses the ability to pay other bills. Because drug companies raise prices to pay for commercials like this one, side effects may include overdrawn bank accounts, bad credit scores, higher health care costs, children who don't get Christmas presents, and in some cases, the need to stop taking your medicine. If you experience any of these side effects, contact your financial advisor right away. Out-of-control drug costs are no joke. Yet nine of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend more on advertising than research and development. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org. We know you care. Now is time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded. 
youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill, Thursday, the Encore Series. And we're talking about the Honorable Senator from California, Senator Dianne Feinstein. And I'll tell you what, folks, we, Dennis, we haven't even began to scratch the surface as we begin to look back at her career uh, as she is, again, still currently in the U.S. Senate. Uh, and she is a force on Capitol Hill. But we're starting to at least let our listeners go back. Let's take a look back into the life uh, accomplishments and the passion of Senator Feinstein. And, and again, we've just hit a couple of points, and it continues uh, to fascinate us and to impress us, Dennis. Your thoughts? That's true. And uh, it's just, again, uh, we've talked DACA. We've talked, uh, you know, gun control. We've talked uh, inf- you know, uh, just so many, so many things about how, you know, she came about to become mayor. And then, of course, a senator, uh, you know, the, the, the female, uh, first female mayor, first female senator in California. And, and I mean, that's, that's an awesome accomplishment in itself. But then uh, her, her ability to cross party lines. I, I can't stress that enough. I think every senator or congresswoman or man. Uh, need to be able to cross the lines. It need to be able to come to a point of agreement uh, that would suit both parties. And sometimes uh, everybody don't get everything they want, but I'm truly uh, uh, thankful that we have a senator like uh, uh, Senator Feinstein uh, representing, uh, whether it's Democrat or Republican, she's a Democrat, of course, but she's willing to cross those lines to make things happen. No, absolutely. And it says here, in addition to our official committee assignments, Senator Feinstein is co-chairman of the Senate Caucus on International Narcotics Control, co-chairman of the Senate Cancer Coalition, co-chairman of the Senate Women's Caucus on Burma. She is also a member of the Anti-Meth Caucus, the Congressional Dairy Caucus, and the Congressional Former Mayor's Caucus. And she has served as a member of the Aspen Strategy Group since 1997. I have no idea how she wears the number of hats that she's wearing, and on the committees, here's the difference. The committee that Senator Feinstein is on, there are constant hearings because there's constant situations where, whether it's the judiciary, whether it's the intelligence committee, they have to oversee the conduct of these of these things. Right now, we're going to take a listen uh, to her passion on what we talked about before the break on DACA. Take a listen to this. I rise to speak about the need to protect undocumented young people, commonly referred to as dreamers. 
from deportation. The Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, or what's called DACA, was announced by President Obama in 2012 to solve an urgent need. Hundreds of thousands of young people brought to this country as children were at risk of being deported. They didn't take the action to come, their parents took the action to come and bring them. President Obama's executive order temporarily protected these undocumented young people from deportation. DACA also provides the opportunity to obtain work permits and has made it possible for many young DACA beneficiaries to enroll in college. If Congress doesn't act now and pass a law, President Trump's decision to terminate this program will have devastating consequences for the nearly 800,000 families across the United States, particularly those in California. This decision to end DACA without first ensuring that young people have legal protection is why we are demanding a vote on the DREAM Act as soon as possible. DACA recipients certainly deserve now, not six months from now. These young people trusted our government and it's time we stopped playing with their lives. The DREAM Act, introduced by Senators Graham and Durbin, has been considered many times already by this Congress. It was most recently included in the Comprehensive Immigration Reform Bill that passed the Senate in 2013 with 68 votes. I remember it well. I remember weeks in committee. I remember dozens of amendments. I remember the time on the floor, the hope that we would be able to pass comprehensive immigration reform. It had an agricultural workers program in it. It had this program for undocumented children. It had H-2A. It had a whole panoply of reforms in it, and it went down. 68 votes here, though, it didn't survive in the House. I believe there's broad bipartisan support for the DREAM Act. I just learned, for example, polls are saying 70% of the people in this country are in favor of it. And I would be confident it would pass if given an up or down vote. So I call on leadership to ensure there is a clean vote on the DREAM Act this month. As I mentioned, 800,000 young people have been admitted to the DACA program, allowing them to come out of the shadows. They were educated here. They work here. They pay taxes. They're integrated into American society. These young people are fiercely patriotic. In every way that truly matters, they are Americans. Listen to this, 95% of DACA recipients are working or in school. That's 95% of 800,000. The typical DACA recipient came to this country at six years old. They've known no other home but this one. Many of them only speak English. 72% of the top 25 Fortune 500 companies, companies like Apple, Amazon, Facebook, JP Morgan, employ DACA recipients. DACA recipients are contributing significantly to our economy. Ending the program, it is estimated, 
would mean a $460.3 billion hit to the GDP over the next decade. But protecting DACA recipients isn't a matter of politics or economics. It's about, really, what's right as Americans and human beings. This is particularly important for me, representing California, because one in four dreamers, 223,000, live, work, and study in California. And I can testify that they're an essential part of the fabric of our communities. And so it's important for senators in the American public to know the very real human side to this issue. And I want to share the story of a remarkable young woman whom I've met, whose family I've met. Her name is Vianney Sanchez. She was brought to this country when she was just one. Today, she lives in East Oakland. I met her and her family last month. I spoke to her last on Monday night. Vianney is a 23-year-old graduate student from UC Santa Cruz with a degree in psychology. She's pursuing a career in public service so she can give back to this country. Vianney's mother, Maria, who I also met, worked as an oncology nurse at Highland Hospital, and her father, Asubio, worked as a truck driver. They had no criminal records. They owned their own home, which I visited, small home in East Oakland. They paid their taxes, and they were in this country for 23 years. Oh, I saw them the week before the mother and father was deported last month, sobbing in their living room. My office has worked on their case for years, and their deportation was truly heartbreaking. I'll never forget having to call Maria and tell her that I had spoken to the Acting Secretary of Homeland Security, begging her not to deport, deport this family, oh, and that she would be deported and separated from her children the next day. It was one of the most painful calls I've ever had to make. These heartbreaking photos of the Sanchez family were taken by the San Francisco Chronicle and Bay Area News Group before Maria and Asubio were forced to leave. This is Maria, 20 years a nurse at Highland Hospital. This is Vianney, and, and this is the second oldest child. Oldest child is DACA, and it has now fallen to her to support her two sisters, maintain the house, work, and hopefully start her career. Her mother, her father, and her American citizen youngest brother are in Mexico. These heartbreaking photos, I think, tell a story. Viani now is facing the uncertainty that she too could lose protection and be deported. Then what would happen to her sisters? Every day we fail to act means one more day that Vianney, Malin, and Elizabeth are forced to live with this enormous cloud hanging over their head. And you know, Senator, the fear is palpable. 
you talk to these young people on the telephone and you could sense what's happening. First of all, they know the government knows everything about them. The government knows where they live, what they do. They have to report regularly. This is kind of a conditional program. And so they are up front and out front. And you would think this would give them a sense of security, but it actually gives them a sense of insecurity because they don't know what the future will bring. I'd like to share the story of another talented and ambitious Californian who has taken full advantage of the opportunity she's been given. This is Denise Rojas. She arrived in the United States when she was just 10 months old, brought here from Mexico. Like many of our immigrant ancestors, her parents wanted to make a better life for their children. And this is a very recent photo of her. You can see she's beautiful. Denise's family is similar to other families in California. After arriving in Fremont, her father worked full-time in a restaurant while pursuing her high school diploma at night. Her mother attended community college part-time for seven years to earn her nursing degree. After years of trying to gain legal status, her parents were forced to move Canada. That left Denise. Denise excelled in high school, graduating with a 4.3 GPA. She attended UC Berkeley, one of the top public universities in the nation, to study biology and sociology. She dreamt of going to medical school, driven in part by a family member's death earlier from cancer. The cancer was diagnosed at a late stage because the family's immigration status made it impossible to afford health insurance. Denise worked as a waitress, commuting an hour each way to classes because she couldn't afford to live on campus. After graduation, she volunteered at San Francisco General Hospital. Today, and this is her today, she's in New York at Mount Sinai Medical School, one of the country's top programs. She's on track to earn her degree in 2019. You can see her in the middle of this photo in her medical scrubs and how proud she is. To help other students navigate the admissions process and pursue careers in health and medicine, Denise co-founded a national nonprofit organization called Pre-Health Dreamers. Through Pre-Health Dreamers, Denise has helped many other students together as they work toward their goals. After graduation, she intends to specialize in emergency medicine and work in low-income communities to provide health care to families like her own that too often go without needed treatment. Parts of California, particularly our rural counties, are very short on doctors. This is a big problem in the healthcare reform. They're lucky if they have choice of one uh, insurance. So we desperately need people like Denise who wanna work in communities most in need of skilled health professionals. Now, without DACA or passage of the DREAM Act, Denise won't be able ever to come home. She won't be able to stay all of the education that has gotten her here 
through a top-notch university to a top-notch hospital, I, I assume, as an intern or a resident now at this time. She wouldn't have the proper work authorization or company documents, and our country would be denied a highly qualified, motivated doctor. In closing, Mr. President, I really believe we have a moral obligation to do all we can to shield these young people from deportation. Remember, they did not break the law. They were brought here as children, many as babies. Some don't know their, the, the, the language from the land from whence they came. They all speak English and very well. They want the American dream and they're motivated and they're patriotic. Um, I was just listening to somebody, the, uh, a young person the other day. All she wanted to do was be in the military. She's ROTC and wants to be in the military. You know, this is, these are the people that make this country great and we can't forsake them. Well, there you have it. Uh, I don't know what, what do you say to that? Uh, the story, the testimony after testimony of these are folks who are showing honor to a country that fails to honor them. I mean, when you talk about, and, 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 and William, give me your thoughts on this. I don't care if they were going to a community college. They are doing what needs to be done to attain what they believe to be the American dream. That's right. I mean, they, you know, this is the thing that, that to me is so twisted about this. This country was founded by immigrants. I mean, we're, we are all immigrants. And so now you, you face the situation where these people here, these children, were brought here. She said at, at ages, ages of six and, and younger. Born. Born here. Yeah. Well, if they're born here, they're, they're citizens, but, but brought here. You see what I'm saying? So they're brought here. So now this is all that they've known. All they've known is the United States. So you're telling them to go back to a country that they don't they, they have don't no even, idea. No idea. They have no idea what it, what it's like in these places. And it and it's sad. And now they're sitting here striving for the dream. They're they're bettering bettering themselves through education and looking at these goals that they can obtain and they're striving for it. And you're gonna take that away from them. Well, it's the, tragic. Well the voice of Senator Feinstein. Uh, speaks volumes. On September 5th, 2017, Donald Trump's Justice Department terminated the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals programs known as DACA. Since this announcement, Senator Feinstein and her Democratic colleagues have prioritized protecting these young people known as dreamers. And that is, that is the definite truth. On December 21st, 2017, Senator Feinstein released a statement laying out why she would not vote for a government funding bill that did not include the DREAM Act. Her statement says this, and this is an expert, excerpt, excuse me. I've supported passage of the DREAM Act for more than a decade. I've been a vocal supporter of young people protected by DACA since President Obama created the program in 2012. I've been an advocate for CHIP, which ensures millions of children for two decades. I'm not new to these issues, 
and my positions have not changed. Dennis, what does that tell you when you hear that? That tells you that this senator uh, is, we, we call it uh, true to her word, you know. Uh, she said that she's against it, and she continues to be against it. As you see, the continual resolution, uh, they were trying to stick uh, DACA in that. Of course, that didn't happen. Uh, but that didn't stop her from saying, you know, no matter what, we're going to try to get this to, you know, get get a vote on it uh, because it needs to, it needs to happen soon. And, and you heard her in the, the excerpt. She said now, uh, not six months from now, but we need to make it happen now. And that is so true, uh, because when you're losing over 100 uh, dreamers a day and that's about to happen, uh, if they don't hurry up and come together, uh, Congress, because the president already said he. <laughs> He, he done his part. If they don't come up with something, he's going to leave it just the way it is. So that tells you. Well, look, uh, if you got, if there's no compassion at, at our top level, uh, we, we got to find it in our Congress and in our Senate. Well, we're grateful for the federal judges out there who, uh, at the spur of the moment, nonsense or tweet by this president, feels a need to protect this country from turning into a complete dictatorship and and i i applaud senator feinstein social media folks are talking about the senator and this is a recent situation uh regarding the march that took place we talked about on tuesday uh and karen levins writes this now senator stand with the students and all of us who marched on saturday and introduce a meaningful gun control uh, and get other senators on board together we are stronger it, the, the students that marched for that recognizes a cry to a leader, someone that can get the job done. And th- that's, that's just awesome. And if, if students are recognizing the leadership of this senator, recognizing that this senator has done things to protect, and she doesn't care. She said, my position have not, have not changed. And it's not only on DACA. It's on health care. It's on gun control. It's on voting rights. Everything. Everything. And she's dealing with the, the items that deserve the, the attention. They impact not only her constituents, but those across the country. I mean, even the chip, right. like chip. Right. She was, she's sitting here saying, this right here is instrumental. This is child health care. For millions. For millions that are getting preventative care. They're getting vaccinations. And now, and she realized the GOP has held it hostage for, uh, and they were trying to trying to maneuver and use it uh, to roll back the affordable health care. She said, listen, these are children. You're impacting the lives of children that could not afford health care. Now you're trying to hold a, a, this, this program hostage. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. So you see that the Dreamers, CHIP, you, you deal with, you deal with uh, gun control. All these are big ticket items. She's saying all this is happening to us today. We can't just sit in a corner and just wait. Somebody's going to have to stand up and voice and fight for it. And, well, well, and she's, she's willing to do it. She's doing it. Another one, Mary Michael Green writes, Senator Feinstein is my senator, along with Kamala Harris, and I am proud of them both. Voted for DiFi in every election since 1992 and commend her for her being the only politician at that time to achieve gun control. I only had 280 characters to work with. 
which means, look, I can keep this going on and on and on, but I'm out of time. I'm out of space here. But if you want to know what my heart is, let me let me make it clear. I'm out of. I don't want to stop commending the senator. Why? She's doing things that are impacting the lives of people across the board. Dennis, we said this earlier. And it may sound like a broken record for the people. For the people. Period. That's it. And I say to all Civil of our servant. I say to all of our California listeners tonight, vote for Senator Feinstein. Re-elect her. Yes. Because if you can find anybody with this record, I'm, I'm listening. Good, good luck. Good luck with uh, that. And, one. We, and we we've just we haven't even scratched the surface. You know what I'm saying? When you when you talk about what this this woman is doing, she is nonstop. And I, again, at 84 years old. She is tireless. She is championing the fight. And it's incredible when you think about it, when you really think about what this woman is doing, not only for her constituents in California and how she's representing them well, extremely well, but also us, the the citizens of the United States that are benefiting from her fight. Another uh, comment on social media, Dorinda, excuse me, Dorinda Marino writes, Senator Feinstein voted no for budget package because DACA was not included. Thank you, Senator. Your commitment to the Dreamers is deeply appreciated. You, you can't tell me she's not making an impact across this nation. On the other side of the break, folks, we'll grab a beverage, something as we settle in to the final segment of this program. We are with, honestly without words, but we have to have words in order to take you to break. A legend, the trailblazer, Senator Diane Feinstein, I'll tell you what, leaving footprints that'll be very difficult to fill. We'll be right back. This is Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, the Encore Series. We'll be right back. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can have value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. 
it's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission.
And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. As tonight has unfolded, it would be less than proper if you can't if we can't say we have been honored tonight for the work of Senator Diane Feinstein. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And that doesn't do it justice. A lady that really started the movement, if you will, causing other women to run for public office. And she has been a really a beacon of light to those that would come after and those that would work with her now. And Dennis, when you think about that, these when I think about Senator Feinstein, I think about those that come once in a lifetime. Uh, it's not every day you see uh, this type of passion, this type of drive, given the challenges that she faced as a woman coming on the scene of politics. Your thoughts? That's true. I mean, it's just agriculture, civil rights, DACA, drug economy, education, energy, environment, foreign affairs, health care, immigration, intelligence committee. I mean, we could go on right. and on, which we will, uh, but that tells you that this uh, senator is, uh, again, we, I use the word awesome, uh, for those that go above and beyond, those that really care about uh, the people. That's right. I mean, and that's what that's what it's all about, being a civil servant. I mean, and and in order to hold a position like that for that long, you got to be doing something right. That's the bottom and, line. And I echo what you said to the Californians when you said, get out there and vote. Make sure you vote for this senator. I tell you, you can't go wrong. You can't. You, she's got a record. You saw the record. Uh, I tell you, it's all about people. When you when you have a senator like this, you got to get behind her and you got to support her and you got to, I mean, be real proud. Uh, that 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 senator is yours. Well, listen, if we haven't learned anything yet, we've learned this. Go vote. Exactly. We've learned that. And the comments continue to come in on social media for this senator. Uh, Iron Sharkey writes this. Congratulations. I support you. I actually will vote for you. Glad you decided to stay on. Vice President Joe Biden had been talking about uh, Senator Feinstein in a positive way in her record. And she, he writes, uh, Robert Peters writes this, Joe Biden is right. Senator Feinstein deserves re-election, effective, experienced leadership. You can't argue, folks, with the facts. The facts are clear. She is making a difference. She has no problem challenging any administration. If she believes in what she's doing. And that's something to be uh, commended. And, and th these are things, again, that we have to talk about. She talks about, Dennis, I want to uh, get your opinion of this next clip we're going to play. Uh, and she's talking about the veterans in Los Angeles. We talk a lot on this program. And, and my understanding is California as a whole, huge military presence there. And Senator Feinstein finds a way. And, again, we talk about well, what she's doing what now? I thought we were just talking about health care. We were. I thought we were talking about uh, the importance of DACA. We were. I thought we were talking about integrity. We were. It keeps on coming. It keeps on rolling. A trailblazer. 
setting the way. Let's see what she had to say about our veterans. Senator Feinstein, we're delighted to have you, and you'll be first. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman and Ranking Member Blumenthal and members on both sides of the aisle. Um, I'm going to speak today on the Los Angeles Homeless Veterans Leasing Act, a bill I introduced with Senator Boxer. I'd like to thank David Norris from the California chapter of the Veterans of Foreign Wars for traveling to Washington to testify in support of our proposal. This bill would allow a facility, which is a very large facility, 388 acres on Wilshire and San Vicente. On the north side of Wilshire is a veteran cemetery, and on the south side of Wilshire is a very large complex, including a hospital, several buildings, a UCLA baseball diamond, and many other things. It's it's run down. It needs help. Now, the majority of veterans, um, the largest number of veterans in America, actually live in Los Angeles. There are 3,000 of them, and more than 4,000 have no place to go. They are, in fact, homeless. Ten percent of the veterans in this country live in Southern California. Simply, we need to get things right at the West LA VA. I'd like to briefly recap the history. Every VA facility in the country has the leasing authority provided in my bill, except for the West LA VA. In 2007, Congress took that authority away after it became clear that leases were being granted to commercial entities that were not serving veterans. This included everything from a movie lot to a laundry facility. The problem led to a 2011 lawsuit, which was settled earlier this year. But now, thanks to the leadership of Veteran Secretary Bob McDonald, we're back on the right track. Since he has taken over, we've spoken many times about the issues LA veterans face. He's put an excellent new team together. I've met with them in Los Angeles last month and was thoroughly briefed. I believe we now have a path forward to make sure the campus fulfills its obligation to serve the veterans. And here's why. This land is a grant from a former senator by the name of Jones and the Bandini family in 1888. And it said, the grant said, it has to be used exclusively for veterans. And there you have it, one inspiration after another. Her name is Senator Dianne Feinstein, the featured senator from California for this Encore series tonight. In 2017, Senator Feinstein became the top Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, the first woman to assume that role where she helped shape policy on criminal law, national security, immigration, civil rights, and the courts. She also oversees judicial nominations and major investigations, including Russia's interference in the 2016 election. 84 years young, 
I don't know when we've seen a plate this full. And she is not deterred and says, I'm running again. <laughs> I mean, somewhere along the way, you would think, what else can she accomplish? I guess according to her, a lot more given the condition of this nation. And those voices, William on Capitol Hill, that stand as a pillar to combat whatever administration comes in and begins to attack the democracy of this nation. We need her voice there. That's right. I mean, you know, we had one clip earlier. Where she where we t- she had the findings on the floor, and she read those against uh, President Obama's wishes. She said, "You know, our responsibility, my responsibility is to the people. The people need to know. It's not Absolutely. party. It's not party alliances. It's, it's people. The people need to know. And the thing is, is that she understands that there's there's work to be done. Having somebody else come in and you know debate if she could represent California well, well." I, I, I really find that to be extremely hard to believe. And at 84 years of age, she is welcoming another term and saying, look, I, I still have work to do, and I'm still willing to do it. She's that. earned that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and more. But, it, but the thing about it is I, I think she hasn't, sh- she hasn't shown any signs of, of uh, slowing, uh, slowing down. down. And we talked about uh, she's had some help. Yeah. Situations that she had to take care of, and and we we sent of course our best wishes. Uh, doing that brief time of leave last year, uh, going strong, and continues yes. yes to be in hearings about the the uh, collusion argument, the obstruction of justice, and continues to stand toe to toe. I mean, if that's not an example of a leader, then I don't know what is. And Cliff, when you hear. Uh, these type of accolades, uh, these types of things, and what people are saying on social media. Uh, Mark Riley writes, the evidence is in. Senator Feinstein is a consistent, reasoned, and purpose-driven leader. We can learn so much from her, and we owe her a debt of gratitude. This is social media, folks. Cliff, what are your thoughts when you hear that? Well, it makes you think that you know it's not just the uh, it's not just our constituents in our in uh, in California. I mean, everybody around the country understands uh, and appreciates what she's done in Congress. I mean, there you don't uh, stay in Congress for what what mm-hmm. is it uh, twenty twenty four twenty six years. years. Mm-hmm. You don't stay in Congress for twenty six years having done nothing. Having, uh, you know, not having made an impact on, uh, you know, people's lives that that uh, that you represent. So the people of California have found that Senator Feinstein is who represents them. And and then again, the other members of Congress, the, you know, people who aren't her constituents also find in her a reasonable, you know, just common sense legislators that says these are the laws that need to be in place. I mean, you think about things like the gun control and, and again about uh, DACA and the chip program. These are just common sense, just things that need to happen. And uh, Senator Feinstein says, hey, even when she has to stand up against her own party, even when she had to stand up against the president of her party, she, you know, made it plain that, hey, he didn't he didn't want me to do it. But I felt that the people of America 
uh, that they had the right to know what was going on. And those are the type of things that when it comes down to it, you cannot help but uh, appreciate her and respect her for the stand that she that she takes. And uh, the people of California have voted her in time and time again to that effect. Well, listen to this. Listen to this fact. A native of San Francisco, Senator Feinstein served for nine years as a San Francisco County Supervisor. Starting in 1969, she became mayor of San Francisco. In 1978, following the assassination of Mayor George uh, Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk. And the following year, she was elected to the first two, two four-year terms as mayor. Senator Feinstein managed the city's finances with a firm hand, balancing nine budgets in a row. In 1987, City and State Magazine named her the nation's most effective mayor. How do you balance nine budgets consecutively? How do you do that? I mean, and they say Senator Feinstein did it with a firm hand. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, of America and of California and any district that Senator Feinstein represents. You can't ignore that. I'll tell you what, there ain't too many records that can stand up to that type of performance. And she says, let's do it again and again and again and again. A drive for one purpose. The gentleman said on social media, purpose-driven. Not just out here hypothetically, well, let's just go out here and sit in our office and drink a little cappuccino. Let's get the job done. And she's doing just that. Let's hear a little bit about, uh, from Congress, excuse me, from Senator Feinstein on the Muslim ban. Hey, another hat out the closet. Fighting for Muslims really as human beings as they are. A leader of example. Let's hear what she had to say. Uh, I I have come to the floor. Uh, We have just filed a resolution, uh, a bill actually, with 26 co-sponsors that would repeal uh, the immigration ban uh, placed by President Trump. Mr. President, President Trump's Muslim ban is unnecessary, it's unconstitutional, and it's un-American, and it should be repealed immediately. The executive order prohibits individuals from Iran, Syria, Iraq, Sudan, Somalia, Libya, and Yemen from entering the country. It even bars relatives of Americans from visiting. The order suspends the entire U.S. refugee program, and most egregiously, Syrian refugees are banned indefinitely, unless they're Christian. These provisions aren't what America is all about, Mr. President. First, the order is unnecessary. Individuals from the seven targeted countries and 150 other nations are already thoroughly screened. Visitors fill out visa applications. They submit photographs that run through biometric databases. Their personal information is reviewed, including names, addresses, and dates of birth. They're interviewed at a United States consulate. The process can take months to complete and eliminates the need for the travel ban. 
In addition, the move to ban refugees has no legitimate national security reason because these refugees undergo an even more thorough screening process that can take up to two years to complete. The vast majority of refugees are women and children who have experienced the absolute worst of humanity. Let us not forget the heart-wrenching image of the small body of Alan Kurdi, a three-year-old Syrian boy washed up on a beach, dead. I will never forget this small boy in his short pants, his shoes, and his socks lying on that beach. To turn away women and children and men in their time of dire need is not what this nation is all about. Let me make this point. The poor execution of this executive order has resulted in chaos and confusion. It is unclear whether the Justice Department or Homeland Security had any input. There seems to have been a disagreement about whether it would apply to green card holders. There was confusion about whether it applies to individuals already in transit or approved for travel. And even airport directors, and I have spoken directly with the director of Los Angeles International, San Francisco International, there was confusion about how it applies. And even airport directors were left in the dark about how many people were detained and who they were. Sara Yahani was one Californian caught up in this mess. She's an Iranian national studying at the California Institute for Human Science in San Diego under a valid student visa and being detained at LAS for 23 hours she was sent back to Europe, a clear violation of the nationwide stay against the order. What I'm saying is that the court stay was actually violated. This is just one of more than 100 stories from the weekend. I believe this order is also unconstitutional. The First Amendment prohibits government from establishing a religion or prohibiting the free exercise of thereof. The order violates this First Amendment by targeting Muslims and favoring Christians. The order may also violate the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which forbids the government from burdening a person's exercise of religion. The law bars any discrimination based on national origin in the issuance of a visa. And finally, detaining people at airports may violate their Fourth Amendment rights. This was an ill-considered overreach, as the court showed over the weekend, and it should be repealed. So the bill that 27 of us are introducing rescinds the president's executive order. The text is simple because the message is simple. We won't stand for these types of actions. In a conclusion, I'd like to say I'm so proud of the peaceful demonstrations we saw. And I join those who are so passionate about the free exercise of religion and free speech. These are our values, Mr. President, as a nation. And I'll be right there with you if anyone tries to violate them. Thank you, Mr. President. I yield the floor. 
There you have it. Senator Feinstein, Diane Feinstein. What do you say? Here's some key points on immigration issues regarding the senator. The Stop Dangerous Sanctuary Cities Act 2016. Senator Feinstein voted against the Stop Dangerous Sanctuary Cities Act when it, when it came before the Senate for a vote, July 6, 2016. This bill would have revoked certain federal funds from so-called sanctuary jurisdictions. Kate's Law 2016, Senator Feinstein voted against Kate's Law when it, when it came before the Senate for a vote, July 6, 2016, the bill would increase the maximum prison term to five years for an, an, an undocumented immigrant who reenters after being denied admission, excluded and deported or removed. Additionally, the maximum prison term for undocumented immigrants uh, who would reenter after being denied admission or excluded would suffer at the hand of this bill. The American Security Against Foreign Enemies Act 2016, Senator Feinstein voted against the American Security Against Foreign Enemies Act when it came before the Senate for a vote on January 20th, 2016. This bill would require the Federal Bureau of Investigations to certify to the Department of Homeland Security and the Director of National Intelligence that they have conducted an investigation to determine whether an alien applying for refuge, a refugee status, is a security threat. These are not popular stands. But you see no hesitation, William, at all. None, none. I mean, she, you know, the thing is, is that I, I really think, you know, we, this woman has done some amazing things and she will continue to do those things. She understands that there is a need and there, and this is not going to be popular. So people are not going to hop on this, but she realizes that it's deserved. It has to be done. You know, people have, we have a freedom of religion. So why are you trying to discriminate based on it? Why are you, why are these people being, you know, picked out? Uh, it's not fair. It's not right. And so she's dealing with these issues. And, you know, hats off to her. Hats off to her for, ta- for taking on such a challenging uh, topic and view, considering, you know, the terrorist nature that we've, we've lived under, our umbrella we've lived under for years. Um, you know, immediately people see, you know, Muslim. They, they talk about Muslim bans. And, and it, it's wrong because basically you just – Identifying a group of people, uh, their beliefs, uh, and basing them on actions of another, which is wrong. Oh, absolutely right. And we go back to, which is a hot topic in this nation right now, dealing with gun control, mass shootings. Uh, Senator Feinstein introduces bill to keep guns from individuals with severe mental illness. This is May 24, 2017. One common thread, and I quote the senator, One common thread that runs through mass shootings in this country is that family and friends were often aware that the perpetrators had significant mental illness and posed a threat to themselves or others, said Senator Feinstein. The family of the Isla Vista shooter had called law enforcement, fearing what their son might do. But police had no power to act. Families have little recourse if they want to ensure 
their loved ones do not get their hands on guns that could be used to kill themselves or others. Our bill would help states establish a court process to allow that to happen. Senator Boxer at the time introduced this bill, and I'm proud to carry her work forward. So these are the things that she is talking about. And we, we, we had the discussion um, on Tuesday. We didn't have the opportunity to speak to Senator Feinstein at that time. But this makes perfect, as we said Tuesday. That's just common sense. She says this will ensure, and this happened in Senator Feinstein's backyard. She says, how do we ensure that families knew that was an issue and basically the police said we can't do anything? How is that even possible? So I got a neighbor with a, with a, with a stack of guns, and I call the police. It is your job to act. But nobody wants to have that conversation because what it does, it requires accountability. To the people of California, go vote for this senator. She is a staple, a pillar, excuse me, of strength on Capitol Hill without question, without any fear of contradiction. What a champion. We'll be right back. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation, costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. I wanted to be in the military since I was was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. 
don't suffer alone. You gotta find that link with somebody that'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just wanna help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. What you didn't know about the IRP-5 continues tonight as we talk about the battle that rages on. I'll be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, the IRP-5, who are they? David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper. I would call them soldiers of justice as they continue to fight for that justice. What we want to mention tonight is, is the current status, and make no mistake about it, you say, well, have they given up? Have they felt like the battle is not worth fighting? I can tell you right now, none of those things apply here. But I will tell you this, the reason these men remain wrongfully convicted and locked up has nothing to do with the effort and the known uh, injustice being put across this nation. I'll tell you right now, it is so compelling, it is such a major concern that members of Congress have asked a question of the Department of Justice. What is going on here? And members who, I'll tell you what, are intelligent, very intelligent individuals that said something here does not speak of justice. And I'll tell you right now, that that battle continues as Congress members take time out of their schedules to say to the State Department, we need you to take a look. And William, those are things that need to be made very clear. This is not a battle that will be quit. Oh, no. That will end. No, no. There's no, there's no give up in this battle. I mean, it's continued to, to, uh, to grow. It's continued to gain momentum. We got other, you know, and so when it hit Capitol Hill, we have members there that are, you know, when they saw this, they're saying, listen, there's some action that needs to be taken. Here. This, these guys have been wrongfully convicted, and things need to be done. Well, I'll tell you this. The actions of federal judge Christine Arguello you, you begin to wonder, are you in a movie where the plot is to show what you do not do in criminal proceedings? Uh, that begins to take the look of fiction, that this possibly cannot be true. We salute tonight federal retired judge H. Lee Sarrigan for doing something that many wouldn't do. You got to ask yourself the question, why are notable figures within the justice system, the criminal justice system, retired, have been moved to act? There's a reason for that, because it is a clear injustice that has happened to these men. That's right. What, what federal judge comes out of retirement over the age of 80 or 85 at the time, I believe, to speak to an injustice, to write five articles in the Huffington Post, and to send a letter to former President Obama 
over a 60-year tenure that had never been done before. That, my friend, should speak volumes. And also the play. You know, to get the, get the message out about the play, you know, with the play, using the platform that, was, that he has in hand, say, listen, this, this right here is a case of injustice. These men were doing a great work for our country. And then, and then, you know, and so these people are coming forward and saying, listen, we see this injustice. We see the wrong, and something has to be done. And ladies and gentlemen, feel free to contact the Just Cause. If you want to stand in this fight, uh, we welcome all those who stand against injustice to stand with the IRP5. Who are they again? David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, Dave Zappolo, and Demetrius Harper, really men of integrity who have been done wrong by this system. And a lot of times, people don't take a look till it happens in their own backyard. Well, I can tell you right now, the IRP-5 are one of many cases of injustice, and it is a tragedy because those that have been appointed as in the federal judgeship took an oath to uphold the Constitution and to treat all citizens fairly and equally fair at the point of any type of criminal proceedings, no matter what it is. And tonight we take a look at the courage of the RP5 who are bound by their own integrity to stand for justice. I'll tell you right now, that will never end. Make no mistake about it. And I'll tell you right now, every show here on AJC Radio is dedicated to these five men. Without question, who has prompted a just cause in AJC to fight until justice is found. The system would have you to believe, fight a little while and throw in the towel. Because they tend to believe that the system is too big to oppose. Injustice is too big to let to let go. That's right. That's right. They're you not, have to. Go ahead, William. No, no, you know, and that's, that's so true. They think they're too big to fail. They will fall on this case. They will fall at the hands of this case. These men are strong. They're standing today in good spirits. And we are fighting for them. And they're innocent. And that's right. That's the key. And where can they go, William, at, at a Just Cause website? Where can they go to learn more information there? The a-justcause.com. Okay. And they can see all the information about the IRP-5 and uh, read up on it. And I, and I do want our listeners to go out and, and read that information. It's, it's, it's incredible. And check it out. Well, there you go. A very special thanks to the honorable... Uh, and the well-respected Senator Diane Feinstein, we honor you tonight. Take a bow wherever you are. And the people of California, let's not let her down. Let's keep the momentum going as we vote a legend paving the way. Good night, America. We'll see you next time.
Democrats are asking for votes to be held on two amendments to ban those on the government's terrorist watch list from obtaining gun licenses and whether to expand background checks to gun shows and Internet sales. Joining me right now is an expert on these issues, California Senator Dianne Feinstein, the chief sponsor of a bill banning people on the terror watch list from buying guns. Senator, how do you reconcile uh, keeping people from buying guns who are on the watch list with their uh, due process rights? Well, we provide due process rights. We provide an administrative appeal or a court appeal or both. So that can take place. Um, I think uh, the problem here is, and I think Director Brennan this morning addressed it when he said that his assessment is that we will see increasing attempts at attacks. Now, most of the people on these terrorist watch lists, the overwhelming number are foreigners. So either ISIL selecting or they're self-selecting themselves with no record to come into this country to buy a weapon and to engage in a terror attack. So now I can't say that's for sure for everybody, but it sure is for some. So what we want is that those on the terrorist watch list uh, have an opportunity to, when they get the background check, uh, the Justice Department can review it, and if they have uh, considered the evidence in totality and feel that the individual is a threat to our nation's security, they can deny uh, the purchase of a weapon. Now, realistically, this is a small step. Um, people who are felons, are fugitives, are addicts, who are misdemeanor uh, domestic violence convictions, there are 10 categories for which you can deny a weapon, and no one is saying anything about those. But a terrorist is not included in those 10 categories, and that's the problem. It should be, and that's what we're trying to do. Well, let's talk about this. Suppose a, a, a suspect, someone on the watch list, goes into a gun store and tries to buy a semi-automatic rifle, an assault weapon. What would just get run through? What would happen? They're on the list. They're still on the list. What would happen? Oh, I don't know what list you're talking to. No, the, the watch what list. list the watch list. Okay, they're on the watch list, and they go in to buy a gun, and they have to do a background check. Well, what we provide for is within the appropriations a program to be set up whereby by computer uh, the database can be checked on that individual and what they know and if there are suspicions uh, the ping goes to the Justice Department the Justice Department can evaluate it and if they stop the sale 